I'm Brian Scordato, and this is the Idea to Start a Podcast brought to you by Tacklebox. We accelerate ideas into real companies through the Tacklebox membership, and we think through startup strategy every Wednesday on the Idea to Start a Podcast. You're here because you're thinking about an idea, or you're ready to launch something, or you already launched something and you're running full steam ahead. We're here to help with the counterintuitive stuff. On to it. Today, and over the next couple of weeks, we're going to help you build an internal strategy, an operating system for working on your startup idea while you've got a job. Ideally, this will help you answer the question for early stage entrepreneurs. What should I work on today? It'll also help you work in tighter margins. We'll create jobs for the odd five or 10 minute block of time you might find. We'll introduce the series today by talking through what a strategy is, why a clear strategy is such a huge opportunity, and the three counterintuitive benefits to implementing one. Next week, we'll get into the unique things our best entrepreneurs did consistently so that you can incorporate and automate those things for yourself. I'll keep today's episode tight so that you can get back to the beach. I know it's late August. I know you're probably not working on your startup idea right now, and you're probably knee-deep in some McConaughey movie you hopefully don't strong-arm me into watching. But I also know the second the crisp fall air hits you, you're going to be ready, and you'll need a system. So let's get to it. I don't know you personally, but I'm confident you've got the problem we're talking about today because basically every entrepreneur I've ever met has got it. You aren't sure if the things you're doing are the most direct path to the type of business you want to build, or if they're leading you there at all. Startups can feel like 7th grade English class, when you were supposed to read 300 pages of To Kill a Mockingbird, but you didn't, and now it's 6pm on Sunday and you grab the book and there are so many pages to go and you're overwhelmed and so you just go play Mario Kart instead. Maybe that's just 7th grade Brian projecting. But there are just so many things you could do with your startup, it's easy to get paralyzed or to let all the cognitive overhead seep into your decision-making process, causing you to default to working on the stuff that'll cause you the least amount of discomfort. And that stuff, the comfortable stuff, rarely matters. It's what everyone does. It'll never help you create separation. Here is an example. Let's say you've got an idea. Maybe you want to create golf clubs in cities that are similar to golf clubs in the suburbs, but instead of having a course, they just have a bunch of golf simulators. There would be a nice restaurant and a bar and yearly fees and an admissions process and all the accoutrement of a regular country club, but no physical course because you're in a city. Your big secret is that golf simulators are good enough and the other parts of the club are important enough that people will pay your dues and join your club and you'll grow. Lots of people are telling you this idea won't work, that it's bad. You know from me saying it repeatedly that that is a good sign. So you decide to take it seriously. Your alarm goes off at 5.30 a.m. the next morning. You grab your coffee mug that says freak in the sheets and has a picture of a Google spreadsheet and you quietly chuckle to yourself and then you open your laptop. Time to get serious. Then you stall. What should you do? Should you call up lawyers to incorporate the company? Should you see how much a simulator and potential real estate would cost, then build a financial model that tells you how many members you'd need, then start building a business plan to pitch investors? Should you make a TikTok page and start trying to get followers, or should you search for competitors, or should you start a golf newsletter for people who live in New York City that helps them get to courses in the suburbs, or should you look for a co-founder? Understandably, you get overwhelmed and you default to the thing that seems straightforward, the thing with a template the thing that'll cause the least amount of discomfort, a business plan. 
You start working on summary slides for an hour or so, you don't really get anywhere, and eventually you wrap up and go to your day job. The next day, when your alarm goes off at 5.30 a.m., you hit the snooze. The big problem here isn't the specific business plan decision. While I don't think building a business plan before you've done customer work makes any sense, there's something far more dangerous here. There's no strategy. The work is completely unstructured. Anyone can run a marathon if you have a race date and you build an escalating training plan that starts 20 weeks out and has three runs a week plus days for recovery and strength. Even better if each run has a purpose, one long slow run, one shorter run with peak exertion, and one day of hills. If you follow that plan for 20 weeks, you're going to run a marathon. But if you wake up every day for 20 weeks and haphazardly pick random things some people do while training for a race, today I'll do 20 sit-ups, tomorrow I'll research running, and the next day I'll carbo load, you aren't running a marathon. And you'll probably quit after a week or two because the lack of continuity leads to a lack of progress. You don't see results, and so you lose steam. Humans don't do things that don't have a feedback loop. We also don't do things if there isn't a clear story arc. Inertia dies without structure. Most founders take the second marathon training approach for two reasons. First, startups feel opaque and huge, and it doesn't seem like you'd be able to build anything like a marathon training schedule to follow because there aren't things as obvious as a long run or a sprint. And second, because you've never done anything like this before, so you don't know what a strategy even could look like. It's unlikely you've started a business, let alone a successful one. You don't really know if you'd recognize a good strategy if it jumped up and smacked you in the face. At least in English class, you had the guy who sat in front and finished every assignment and got an A. You also had the kid who sat in the back row eating fruit stripe gum who got a D. You knew what good strategy was and you knew what bad strategy was. But here, you've got nothing. And you need something. Pursuing a startup with a defined strategy will improve the chances you succeed a hundredfold. So we're going to do that. The goal is to create inertia to make your default state progress, to make sure you're guiding a boulder as it rolls down a hill, not trying to move one from a dead stop every time you sit down at your laptop, to make sure the actions in your strategy compound, that you're not just constantly switching paths. We'll define strategy as the way you move through uncertainty. Basically, how do you make decisions when there isn't enough data to make a decision? Underneath this strategy will be a system of things you do each week, sort of like a training plan for a marathon. To be clear, this isn't strategy for your specific business. It's a strategy for working on any business, how you'll approach one and what you'll prioritize. I'm ridiculously excited for this set of episodes because I think there are three counterintuitive but really helpful ideas buried within them. I'll pull them out now. First, no one does this, and that always gets me excited. This is the third episode in a row where we're going to mention our friends the Buffaloes. Buffalo? Buffaloes? Anyway. Buffaloes run towards a storm to get through that storm faster. A great strategy as an entrepreneur is to run towards things that make you uncomfortable or approaches that other startups don't take. That is how to land on an interesting and unique path. Remember, the goal for any startup is not to be better, it is to be different from everyone else. That is where the value is. This is one of those opportunities. Most founders don't have this type of strategy dictating their daily and weekly actions, particularly early on. Instead, they rely on business instincts or divine intervention or their rotational training at Deloitte to steer them in the right direction, which is kind of like hoping that you'll be able to remove someone's appendix on the subway because you watched a couple of episodes of ER. 
This stuff doesn't happen passively. You're as likely to fall ass backwards into a successful strategy for working on your startup as you are falling ass backwards into a successful appendectomy on the C train. Rituals and routines are ridiculously important when you're trying to do something better than 99% of everyone else also trying to do that thing. If you don't set up rituals, you'll slip into what everyone else naturally does, which means you won't be better than 99% of other people, which you have to be for a successful business. For the record, I've only met two founders who showed up to Tacklebox with a truly structured and thought out weekly approach to testing and building their ideas. Each are currently running businesses worth over $100 million, and I don't think that's an accident. Second, it is easier to change how you think by changing your behavior than to change your behavior by changing how you think. That is a quote by Kevin Kelly, and I can't agree with it more. Behaviors drive mindset, not the other way around. When you do things, you become those things. When you think about things, nothing happens. Intellectual understanding is insufficient. We talked about marathons a few minutes ago. Want to become a runner? You can immerse yourself in the running culture and buy shoes and listen to podcasts, but to become a runner really only requires one thing, running. If you run every day for a month, you're going to change. Your body will change and your mind will change and all of your decisions that impact running will change too. If you run every morning, you're more likely to go to sleep early the night before because running tired stinks. If you run in the evening, you're more likely to eat a healthy light dinner because running full stinks. If you're running the next day, you won't drink too much at your friend's birthday party the night before because running hungover stinks. Actions change your mindset and set off a waterfall of decisions that support the core thing. We talked about this structure last week, but with your startup. The underlying idea, though, is universal. The moment you're clear about what the priority is and your behavior reflects that, the rest of your life will morph and shift to support and amplify that thing. Every action is a vote for what type of person you are. Once we establish your priorities through your actions, the rest of your life will follow suit. This, unfortunately, goes the other direction too. We'll talk about that a bit later. And third, the magic happens after you start, not before. This is my favorite of all the reasons. We get lots of emails, probably five to 10 a week, from people that say they don't have an idea yet, but they know they want to be an entrepreneur. They're waiting for an idea to pop up, and once it does, they'd love to join the program, but in the meantime, do I have any advice on things they could do to prep themselves so that they're better prepared when an idea does strike? I always respond with the same thing, that an idea isn't just going to come, you need to start working and then the idea will show itself. The magic happens after you start. Here is what I mean. I've done a new scripted 4,500 word podcast for something like 170 of the last 185 weeks. Every once in a while, someone looking to start a podcast will reach out and they'll ask about my process. They always say something like, well, I don't have 170 ideas or I could never do 170 episodes. And I agree. I've never had 170 ideas. Honestly, I never even really had one. Then I tell them how the pod happens. Each week, I sit down on Monday morning to draft it out. Sometimes I have a whisper of an idea, but most of the time I've got nothing. So I start writing. And that is always a little weird, but I have a simple rule. I don't have to write the podcast, but I'm not allowed to do anything else. So I either sit there at my desk in silence or I write. The writing usually starts with gobbledygook. I scrolled to the top of today's pod and it began with, quote, now it's time to write the podcast, I guess. 
Eventually, I get onto a thread. Then I scroll through all the notes in my commonplace book. These are ideas, book quotes, quotes from members, audiobook notes, and on and on. Usually that, combined with the start of the idea, leads me to an outline, a podcast title, and a three-bullet defense of why this episode should exist, why it won't waste our listeners' time, and what specific problem it'll help them solve. Then I flesh out the outline. It's usually mid-afternoon at this point, and I send the idea to a group of podcast listeners who love giving early feedback, and I take young rubes for a walk. After the walk, I read the responses, which usually highlight one specific thing that would be hyper useful for them to hear more about. Then I write about that thing for a while, and at some point, guaranteed, I'm going to have an aha moment. This is what the podcast should be about, I'll always think. I give the pod a new title, create a new framework, and I write. That last part is fast. The pod spills out like a faucet. 95% of my time is spent thrashing around trying to find something interesting, and 5% is spent on the final thing. The point is, there's no magic before the work starts. When I start, I have no idea what I'm writing about, but I know that the process will end in a good podcast, or at least in an episode that goes live each week. And my strategy, the commonplace book, the feedback from listeners, the walk with Ruby, are critical. So I prioritize them. I take notes in the commonplace book constantly and made it impossibly easy to push ideas from books or conversations or audio to that resource. I prompt listeners for feedback and I'm always growing that group and I publish every week. The process creates the idea. The idea is a byproduct of the work, not the cause of it. If I sat around and waited for an idea to hit before I started writing, we would have never gotten past episode three. The magic happens after. That is a long-winded way of saying, if you don't have an idea yet, you're still going to go through this process. The most successful type of startup I've found, I'd dub the meandering startup. The one where the founder digs and digs and digs, running from one customer to the next, leaning into problems, learning, then applying what they've learned to the next customer. Those are the ones that end up working. So we need a system for meandering, a process that spits out unique and differentiated work each week. Specific actions we can repeat to signal to our brains the types of entrepreneurs and people we are. There's a fear of over-architecting this stuff for sure, and there's a temptation to avoid hard work by spending time on the system instead. But I think those risks are visible and trackable and far better than the alternative. I think about the structure kind of like I think about the TV show The Bear, probably my favorite show in the past five years. It is fantastic, and it's eminently predictable. The head chef at a restaurant with three Michelin stars gets notified that his brother committed suicide and left him a run-down cheesesteak shop in Chicago. The chef takes it over. The beauty of the show is that you know everything that's going to happen from that point forward. You know there's going to be conflict with the chef and the staff. You know that they'll all hit rock bottom at some point and either he's going to quit or the employees will. You know they'll all come back and band together and make it work. The arc is old and a clear winner. It can support a great show. This lets the writers be creative within those constraints. They get to dig in on the relationships and the backstories because the bigger arc already works. That is what we want to build, to create a framework for your weeks that can support fleshing out and building a great startup, then for you to be creative within them. You never want to show up wondering what you're going to work on that day or what impact it might have. You never want to spend your limited cognitive overhead on what to work on. Next week, we'll talk through the unique behaviors our best founders displayed and translate them into a framework you can follow. But in the meantime, there's a simple thing you can do this week to get started and get prepared. 
Before you next work on your startup, map out four questions on a piece of paper and spend five to 10 minutes answering them. First, what would someone skeptical of my idea need to know before they continued pursuing it? Second, what would someone 15% more assertive than me do to find those answers? Third, if a great CEO took over my idea, what is the first thing they'd do? And fourth, if actions drive mindset, what actions do I need to take to be the type of entrepreneur I want to be this week? Get your beach time in. Next week, we're plotting out your system. See you then. This was the Idea to Start a Podcast brought to you by Tacklebox. If you've got a startup idea and a full-time job, head to gettacklebox.com and apply. We'll get back to you in 72 hours and we'll be working on your idea by the weekend. Have a great week.